0: Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. I'm glad you are here for worship. Welcome. If you are visiting with us, I'm so glad you are here, whether in person, online now, online later, no matter what, I'm glad you're here. Good to be with you in worship. All right, before I dismiss the kids for Revolution Kids, I have uh, something fun to do this morning. Are you, you think you're up for it? Yeah. Going to learn a new song, maybe? Yeah. So, But, you know, you're nervous because the praise team already sat down, (laughs) and you're like, oh, what's she going to do? All right, so if you're, I know you just sat down, you got your coffee again, you're feeling comfortable, but if you'd be willing to stand and join me again, I'm going to teach you a song called The River of Life. Anybody heard this one before? Some? Yeah, some camp people back here. Y'all, this is a church camp song. If I've got some brave assistants that would like to come up and help me, Oh, here they are. Look how beautiful. My one, two, three brave assistants, even Daryl. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to tell you the words first before it's a, and then there's motions. Okay, that's why I had you stand up. Okay, there are motions. I know you're just on the edge of your seat. Actually, you're not. You're standing. Um, Okay, so it's, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Okay, got the words for you. I've got a river of life. I know, I'm serious about teaching this to you. Okay? All right. And then here's the fun part. Okay? It says, spring up oh well, and you do this. Oh, you need you I can see you need to come up here. Oh, they already did it. Okay. Oh, I think so, first time visitor. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it says spring up oh well, goosh, 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 goosh. Spring up oh well, splish, splash, and make me whole. This is the fun one. You ready? Spring up a oh well. You're going to start all the way at the bottom and go whoosh, and give to me that life abundantly. You think you got it? Okay, so goosh, 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 goosh. We all do it together. No one feels silly, okay? No one feels silly. Look, you're beautiful. Spring up, a well, splish, splash, and make me whole. Spring up, a well, whoosh. Look at these beautiful assistants. Catherine, Taylor, you should be. Okay, okay. So we learned this at Camp Lucon. All right, so we're going to go back to the first one, and we're going to sing it, and you feel free to join in and clap along, okay? Daryl. All right, you ready? You ready? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prisons doors, yeah, captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well, goosh, 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 within my soul. Spring up a well, splish, splash, and make me whole. Spring up a well, whoosh. And give to me that life abundantly. All right. Yay. I don't know how you do that. I got out of breath. <laughs> All right, y'all can sit down. We're going to do it again next week. And Benjamin Farquhar is going to be up here because he knows it. And he didn't do any of the motions. I saw that happen. Boo. <laughs> Okay, we don't usually boo in the house of the Lord. I'm sorry. I love you, Ben Farquhar. From now on, you, lead, you teach them all the new songs. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be great. I just got out of breath, so I'm not sure how you do that every week. Here we go. <laughs> I think there are some, too, that I learned. Did you, from other camps, did you all know, like, during the first part, I think there might be some emotions for that, so stay tuned. You might have to come back. All right, kids, you all can go ahead up. Um, Are you teaching this morning? Yay, Kaylee is going to be teaching. And y'all can have a wonderful time with her upstairs. All right. So we're starting a new series this morning, (laughs) spoiler alert, all about that river of life that's flowing out of me and out of you, whoosh, 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 whoosh. My goal is to not make anyone feel like they need to get up and go use the facilities through all this. It's going to be fine. That's the plan, Um, but this river of life flowing out of all of us is that, okay, stop it, you guys. I didn't even, teaching my four-year-old no potty humor here, and here we go. Here we go. That didn't even mean to do that one, but also, this river of life is flowing all throughout the story of scripture. Okay, this is not, it's just having one of those mornings. All throughout the story of scripture. So hang with me here for just a minute. Start. Is it me, Doug, or is it is it the Mac? Maybe don't answer that. <laughs> just go back to Genesis in the beginning. That would be helpful. It see, it's not there for me. That's what is throwing me off. Okay. Okay, maybe we'll just give it a moment. Okay, so all throughout the story of Scripture, we have this, this idea of this river of life. Beginning from Genesis, when the Spirit hover, hovers over the, the waters, sort of an out of the chaos uh, comes order and beauty and creation. In the second account of creation here, uh, you have in Genesis 2. I'm going to read that for us. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, it is the one that flowed around the whole land where there's gold, and the gold of that land is good, and ox stone are there, the name of the second river is uh, Gihon, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. In the beginning, in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, are these four rivers that flow, In the tradition and culture of the ancient Near Eastern storytelling, it was thought that life-giving water flowed from the throne of deities. So from Eden, sort of God's dwelling place in the beginning when when God dwelled with human in this sort of beauty and harmony of creation and the way that it was meant to be, these rivers of life flowed from the throne room of Eden. These life-giving waters and these four rivers flowed, you know these rivers, right? They, they flowed down through, through the ancient world as it was known at the time. And, and from it came life and nourishment. The source from all, of all the other life that is to come. So the river of life that, that snakes its way through scripture, it starts there. That's the first image I want you to hold on to this morning. This river of life coming from Eden. Described in this way in scripture, and this storytelling tradition, you might as well call these rivers life, okay? Flowing from the source, from the throne room of our deity, God, our creator. But of course, we know that Eden didn't stay Eden forever, for long, in fact. And sin and evil entered into the narrative. And then came this separation from God, and with it came shame and Jealousy and violence and death. The waters that were originally meant to bring life, in many places that we follow it now, bring destruction. Water is life. It was meant to spring forth life, but that wasn't always the case after Eden. And we can sort of rattle off quite a few stories in Scripture now that involve water that don't always bring life, they bring destruction. One biblical commentator says the two big ideas about water that run through the entire narrative focus on the threat of chaotic, uncontrolled water and the absolute necessity of the running, streaming, flowing water of life. The struggle between these two opposing expressions of water is the battle at the center of the Bible. Kind of an interesting way to think about it, something new for me, an interesting way to think about our story of scripture, all that was good and the good life that, that God loved is now constantly threatened, he kind of argues. But then there's one final image that I want you to hold on to, and that's, that's the image where our hope should be rooted of the river of life as it is restored in revelation, I want to read that for us now. Oh, yay, it's working. Just kidding, and then it went by. Okay, go back to Revelation. See, it's not for me. That's very frustrating. Okay, here we go. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Revelation is a lot of things, but something that we, uh, this is another teaching series, but something that we kind of hold on to is this vision of hope for the kingdom of God that is coming and the restoration and redemption and new creation that we will experience then. And so the river of life here is restored. It's that life-giving water again, that now flows from the throne room of our deity, of the Lamb of God seated on his throne. And the water that flows here brings life and fruit and healing of all of the nations. That river will be restored. But as we know, between Genesis and Revelation, this river snakes and goes and bends around lots of different ways and lots of different narratives and lots of different stories. And so my goal is what I hope we accomplish in the next several weeks together, sort of another take on a a storytelling-type series, as I'm going to invite you down to the river, to different spots along the way, as we look at different themes of our salvation story as revealed through Scripture along this river. Each week, talking about themes of liberation, and themes of healing, and themes of new life, that all lead us to that coming hope that we have in Jesus Christ that we see here in Revelation. Are you with me? The river of life that's flowing through us, that's flowing throughout scripture, inviting you down to the river to take a look at some of these themes each week. There are just so many great song opportunities (laughs) throughout this whole series. I'm very excited about that as well (laughs) because I think that's how we learn and remember things teachers am i right we can sing songs about them (laughs) and then we really remember these stories of our faith and stories of scripture so that's where we're going our first stop this morning if you're ready we're going to go to exodus exodus 14 the parting of the red sea maybe an obvious place to start but a very very important one Only a few weeks to do this. We're not going to cover every single stop along the way of this river. (laughs) Hit the highlights of some of these themes. And this morning, I'm going to read from Exodus 14. This is the parting of the Red Sea when the Israelites are saved from Egypt. Hear, Hear now the word of the Lord. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on their left, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord and the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all of the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. This is a defining moment for the people of Israel, the defining moment in lots of respects. If you remember from the whole story, this is Moses who goes to Pharaoh, who asks for the people who've been enslaved for many generations to be set free. The Pharaoh says, no, that's insane. And so the the Lord brings a series of plagues upon the people of Egypt until finally the Pharaoh relents and says, okay, and then kind of has a change of heart. And as they're leaving, as they are, they've left Egypt, and, and here they come, they, they get to this sea, and the Pharaoh has sent, he's changed his mind, he's had a change of heart, and he sends all of his chariots and horsemen and, and, and folks back out, um, maybe to kill, maybe to retrieve, maybe to get back. And so you can imagine this is a moment of real fear for the Israelites, so fearful, in fact, that you heard that question, what have you done, Moses, leading us here? If we were going to die either way, why would you have led us all the way out here just to die in the wilderness? Sometimes we can be critical of that moment, I think, in their story of saying, man, you know, don't you understand liberation? Like, don't you you get, you would rather have been comfortable back in Egypt than to be free out here, even in the wilderness? But I, I think that really just shows this moment of epic fear for them. I mean, they are defenseless. They have no weapons. They only have Moses and a staff, which we know is really powerful. They don't know that yet to the full extent. This is a moment of incredible fear for the Israelites, and it is a defining moment. Three quick details that I want you to remember that I I think kind of show us why this is so defining uh, for the people of Israel. First, it's this reminder that God alone can save. It is an act of God that saves them in this moment to part the seas, to lead them through safely. God alone can save. Scripture says the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be still. Now we see Moses here, of course, used as an agent of God's freedom and liberation here to stretch out his hands, to raise his staff, to do as God has commanded him to do, to relay these instructions to the people right, to stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. He says, do not fear, stand firm, and watch for your salvation. It is Moses acting as an agent, an agent of salvation, who reframes this crisis for the Israelites. Okay, all they see is the chariots approaching, and this this river, this sea in front of them. They see chariots behind them, and no way forward. They have no weapons, They have nothing to defend themselves with. And it's Moses acting as an agent of God who draws their attention back to the awareness of God's presence and faithfulness and power for them. Stand firm. Do not fear. Watch for your salvation. He reminds them that it's God alone, even though God works through human agents and non-human powers, right, with the sea and sort of this, this... Miracle. (laughs) We are never the authors of our own salvation. Israel learns that today in this story. The second detail is this a new people are born in this sense. Okay, whether it's talking about the imagery of water and passing through the waters, that many scholars have said is clearly birthing language, wall of water on one side, wall of water on another. They pass from bondage and captivity with Egypt on their heels to freedom. On the other side, a new people set free are born. There's also this sort of double wonder, right, of water that's driven back and then water that comes forward again, revealing the dry land. That should, that should sort of in our minds help us hear back to the creation story when God first divided the water and brought forth land and then vegetation and then animals, right? Like this moment... And the story of Israel is as powerful as the moment of creation. We should also be hearing that. Because we know and understand today, of course, that freedom in this sense is a moment of recreation, of redemption, of renewal. It's the life-giving waters of creation that salvation in this moment should remind us of, this moment of new creation. A new people are born this day. And then finally, the third one is that the only proper response to a moment of liberation is to sing. Some of you are like, yes, amen. And some of you are like, wow, that took a turn. Like, like Matt is like not, my husband's like not really into like Disney musicals. And like as soon as it gets to like a really powerful moment in the movie, they start singing. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. But that's how this is, right? That's the moment, right? In the story of Israel that's built up. You know what happens in, Genesis, or in Exodus 15? The very next, Miriam, Moses' sister, leads them in song. They worship and they praise God. 15.1, I mean, the very next thing that happens is that they break out in song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. God's glory has been revealed to them this day. They have finally been set free, and the first thing they do once they get to safety is they sing and they praise God for it. These are defining moments. This is a defining moment for Israel. And of course, this first theme that we're sort of exploring today along the river is Liberation is a defining moment in the story of Israel, but of course today we understand that liberation becomes an important theme for us as Christians as well. Just as God had the victory over the forces of evil and oppression in Egypt, so too does God have the ultimate victory over death in Jesus Christ. Just as the crossing of the Red Sea marked Israel's passage from slavery in Egypt to the service of the true and living God, so does Christ's resurrection open the way for our own journey from death to life. You maybe could even hear a little bit of baptism imagery in that, passing through the waters when we pass from death to new life in Jesus Christ. Liberation. Liberation that God alone can save, is a defining moment in our story as well. So, of course, many Christians have found this Exodus moment to be a a powerful theme and an image for their journey of faith. But I think in our American context, no one more powerfully than the African-born enslaved Christians who lived And worked in this very nation. Who though they were taught the religion of their slaveholders. By the grace of God. They met Jesus. And they caught the spirit of liberation and redemption. That they heard throughout the stories of scripture. That even though they were taught the religion of their slaveholders. In order to be good and obedient slaves. They still heard the power and the redemption of this God who alone can save, who fights for them, that they may stand firm in these promises. And specifically, I think these themes of the Exodus story became the heart of their songs of faith. Many songs that we can hear and learn about today, even among African spirituals. James Cone, the father of liberation theology, argues this in his book, The Spirituals and the Blues, that it was the very tradition of creating and singing and passing down spirituals that empowered enslaved people to get through. He says this, quote, that the enslaved folks used music to affirm their essential humanity in the face of oppression. When you're set free in a moment of liberation, sometimes all you can do is sing. And it was the music and the songs created and passed down a resilience and faith and hope to see justice, right, to affirm their essential humanity in the face of oppression. It was the music that allowed folks to get through. You know, there's one such, the reason I bring this up is because there's one such African spiritual that captures the theme of liberation and this Exodus story just beautifully. You may have heard it before. It's a spiritual by the name of Go Down Moses. and Anyone ever heard it? Go down Moses, deep down to Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh, you got to let my people go. It was even used on the Underground Railroad to communicate the time a conductor was coming to lead people to freedom right here in America during the time of slavery. Harriet Tubman herself had the nickname Moses because she had led so many people to freedom over the years following the Underground Railroad. Have you all seen the newest movie, Harriet, came out a few, uh, few years ago. There's a scene in which she sings this from the tree line on the edge of a plantation. It's, it's beautifully haunting and powerful, And and it's sort of a a mashup of of many people that she leads north to freedom. You know, I think this is an appropriate time. Uh, It it was really well-timed, to be honest, that the first theme we were going to explore today as liberation comes during the weekend of the 4th of July. Because I think it's one of those moments where we as people of faith can think critically about the world that we live in, right? And, And what it actually means to be free and what liberation in Christ looks like for us as well. Questions we can ask ourselves, like what sort of freedom are we talking about? Freedom for whom and then also in whose service? Because, of course, we understand that in Jesus Christ we have been set free, says Galatians. But this isn't sort of a freedom that allows us just to live however we want, according to our own sort of, you know, rights as the world tells us, or things that are owed to us, or things that we think that we might deserve. No, the freedom in Christ is a freedom to serve. Paul uses language so strongly in Galatians that he says, no, friends, that we must be slaves to Christ. Now, again, that word means something different to us now. It's a different context in the ancient world for what enslaved work looked like. But I think Paul speaks really strongly when he says you've been set free, we are free indeed. But this isn't kind of a freedom where you can just live however you want, like your your card has been punched to heaven, you're good to go. You can coast through the rest of your life. No, this freedom looks like service. It looks like love. It looks like c- caring about the concerns and needs of your neighbor. It looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. It And all throughout the rest of his letters, he sort of builds into what this kind of freedom must look like. Because see, there's freedom in doing life together. There's freedom in knowing that many of you have experienced through this faith community. There's freedom in knowing that other people here have got your back. They've got your best interest at heart. They're looking out for you. They're holding your sleeping baby on the back row while you teach right? There's freedom in living this life with Christ. But it's always a freedom that calls us to serve others, to keep in mind the least of these, the marginalized voices, those who are not yet free. It's also a moment to remember that the liberation of God is much bigger than the broken sort of language of our nation and what freedom. Are you, are, are, it just become up short. Do you hear me? The words that we have, just they, they come up short sometimes. So this weekend is an opportunity to say, yes, we are so grateful for the freedoms, like little f freedoms, you know, talking about God's liberation is bigger and more expansive than the freedom we sometimes see expressed here in our nation. But it's a good moment to pause and say, We can be grateful, incredibly grateful for the privilege that we have right now to gather and to worship and to really kind of be unbothered by it, you know, from the outside, right? Like no one's harassing us here or persecuting us to just even come and gather. And we can be incredibly grateful for the privileges and the freedoms that we do have and yet also recognize that there are people that don't yet experience those same freedoms, even right here in this same nation. You can hold both of these things together, that we can be grateful for the freedom that we have and also recognize that there's still much work to do. We can be grateful for those who sacrifice to make this a reality in our nation. But as citizens in the kingdom of heaven and not here in the United States of America, we understand that we are being called into the larger, expansive, liberating work of God in this world that calls us to care for others and the widows and the orphans and the marginalized and the oppressed, to catch the spirit of God's liberating love, that that's what we're called to do. You know, in the last couple of years, so here's here's a for instance, and then I'm gonna get down, okay, I'm gonna sit down. Here's a for instance, I'm like super grateful, and we can celebrate the 4th of July, but we can also be aware of voices in the last few years I've just learned about this right that have said hey this doesn't really feel like an independence day for us and in my own sort of process of of you know racial reconciliation and sort of digging into the stories even of our even of our church tradition and 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 trying to figure out what it might look like to work for racial justice today I've learned a lot more about Juneteenth than I ever did before You guys have heard about that now, right? Because it's now a national holiday. But that existed a long, 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 long time before it became a national holiday. Right? In fact, Juneteenth is June 19th, 1865. It's that moment when finally Union forces arrived in Galveston, Texas, and enforced the Emancipation Proclamation three years after President Abraham Lincoln actually signed it. And it didn't take that long for word to get down there. No, it took that long for it to be fully enforced across the whole nation, right, that there were still people in bondage and in chains in Texas. Maybe, you know... So there, then, it became a Juneteenth celebration that for many, many hundreds of years now in different culture, you know, different communities and from people of color and our neighbors, it's become traditions of celebration, right? From reading of the Emancipation Proclamation to uh, street fairs and cookouts to family reunions to singing different spirituals like Swing Low Sweet Chariot and Lift Every Voice and Sing Another Song district park parties. This is one that I thought was really interesting. Because African Americans were often prohibited from using public facilities for their celebrations, they were often held at churches or near water. Catching the spirit of liberation that's more expansive than our expressions of freedom here gives us hope and it gives us a vision to keep working for out of love and respecting the It's just the dignity and the worth and the humanity of all of our neighbors. We can give thanks today, and we can celebrate the Fourth of July. God knows that my neighbors are going to be out in my cul-de-sac till midnight, blowing things up again, just like they did last night. Anybody else? I said it's fine until they woke up my children, and then it was not going to be fine. (laughs) went in and checked on Logan, and he was literally in bed like this, asleep. He was covering up his ears while sleeping. I was like, okay, as long as he doesn't wake up. Lord knows it's going to happen tonight and the next few nights. Things are going to be blown up. (laughs) And we can celebrate that. I know Daryl's got his eye on some hot dogs later this afternoon. (laughs) It's pool parties and cookouts, and it's going to happen. We can celebrate that. And we can also remember who we are and whose we are, that we are servants of Christ. The liberation as the gift that we've been given in Jesus Christ is much bigger than the vision offered here. And yet, we can learn and hear from our neighbors and learn more about Juneteenth and and other things related to that, to keep working for the justice for our neighbors as well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Ooh, let's pray. (laughs) God, we thank you so much for this day, for the reason that we have to gather and to celebrate you and and the freedom that we have found in you. And God, we know that that is so much bigger than sometimes the, the smaller offers of freedom that are offered to us here in this world. Lord, help us catch the spirit and catch the vision of that river of life that's flowing from Revelation. May we just be caught up in it and become a part of your work, your liberating work of love and renewal that's going to be covering the whole face of the earth. God, we thank you that you have called us to be your agents and that you have called us and invited us to take part in this liberating work. God, would you give the courage, give us the courage that we need to do just that, to cling to you, to follow you, and to remember who we are and whose we are. Be with us throughout the rest of this series through our stops along the river. May we catch that vision, and may we be set free indeed. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.